Look at my butt. Here it is, show 200 of Look at His Butt, LT and JK Talk Trek. Show number one of Look at His Butt, LT and JK Talk Trek. This is LT, Lena Taylor. And this is JK, Jungle Kitty. And welcome to our podcast. Look Look at at his butt! So, what is this? Who are we? Why are we here? We're here because we can do this. That's right. It's technology. It's technology, and technology is your friend most of the time. Most of the time, it is. And right now is one of the times when it is your friend because... Thanks to technology, you get to listen to us talk about William Shatner's butt. That's right. And related topics. And that's why the show is called Look at, Look his, at his Butt. Look at His Butt. And specifically, it's William Shatner's butt, but it doesn't have to be William Shatner's butt. It could be other butts. That's and, true. And we're not strictly, you know, going to focus on his butt in every episode, but most of the episodes. Most of, most of the time. I, I think, I think, because there's a lot to say about it. And not even just episodes, but, you know, in real life, and there is such a thing. Even technology has not yet managed to wipe that out, so keep that in mind. But, um, well, I just lost my train of thought because I was thinking about, about his butt. William Shatner's butt, which is a highly distracting topic. So the other reason that we're doing this is because in looking around the world of podcasts, especially in science fiction and comic books and other related areas. There are no women doing this. No. Which is stupid. And we bring, as we have found in the workforce, our own point of view to things. And it's important and it's valid and it changes the way things happen. So we're not going to talk about how hard it is to build a working transporter. Because we don't care. That's right. That's somebody else's job. Right. And we're not going to debate the finer points of the current Star Trek Star Trek fiction that's being published by Pocket Books because most of that stuff is pretty bad. Pretty bad, and we don't want to waste our time on pretty it. Pretty bad. And we're not going to talk about the merits of the economic system presented by Roddenberry's vision of the future because that is also someone else's job, probably Alan Greenspan's, but he'll get it wrong. <laughs> so what we will talk about are episodes we like. We're going to talk about actors that we like. We're going to talk about who was fucking who on the show, because that's the big topic. That is the big topic. Did he do her? Whenever a woman (laughs) appears on the screen in a Star Trek episode, you must ask, did Did he he do do her? her? And And you can drink while you do this, so it's like a drinking game. That's true. And and we're not just going to talk about TOS. We'll talk about the other series, too, because there are other interesting things in them. Well, you'll mainly talk about them, because I haven't (laughs) seen them. I've seen TNG, and I saw, let's see, I saw... One and a half episodes of DS9, uh-huh. and I saw two and a half episodes of Voyager. Uh-huh. And, and that was enough for you? That that was more than enough for me. Okay. Although I did enjoy the Monty Python moment in the finale <laughs> where she cut the Borg Queen's arms off. That, yeah. That was, that was, that was worth sitting through all that other crap, but I'm glad I didn't watch it for seven years. That's okay. So we'll, we'll talk about other Trek stuff as it happens. And, in fact, I have been reading some of the other... Trek fiction that's published because I review it 
over at the Lincoln Heights Literary Society. So once in a while a book does come my way, and some of them have actually been pretty good. Um, the one that I, that I loaned you, that I can't remember what it's called, that was a good book. I'll dig up the title. Which one? one? The it one I refused to read? Captain's Blood? Captain's no, no, Feral? no, not that. Not the Shatner books. It was a collection of um, short stories that were about different characters, uh, that were sort of minor characters. Strange New Worlds? Stra it was like Strange New Worlds, but that's not what it was called. It was Star Trek? We'll come back to it later. Was it Star Trek, it was. It was Star Trek. Was his butt in it? He was in it because there was a story in there that was a version of a story that you had written that was not nearly as good as that the story was Strange that you New Worlds. Was it called Strange New Worlds? Yeah, that's their fan fiction collection. Oh, I thought it was different though. Okay, no. well, whatever. We'll talk about it later when, okay. we, when we get back on yeah. track. So we will talk about that. We will talk about fan fiction though, because we, we write, write it. fan fiction, yeah. And a lot of our friends write it, and we'll be telling you what's the good stuff, so you don't have to wade through the uh, the the mountain of of. Drek that's out that's there. That's true. And hopefully we'll have other people on the show who are, in fact, fan fiction authors. Yes. Uh, we fully expect to have Jonk on the show. And if you know who Jonk is, that's a big thrill. That is. Because she's not that involved in fan fiction anymore. But she is a totally interesting person with lots of good things to say. Yeah. So if we can make contact with her in the Jonkiverse, um, we'll have her on the show. That's Maybe right. And in fact, great. we may do an entire show exploring the Jonkiverse. Because that, if you're into yeah. science fiction, you have got to know about the Jonkiverse. Absolutely. So lots of topics, lots of things to talk about. Um, we'll be having our own um, place on the web where you can come and leave comments and see the fun things that we post because we'll try to keep up some um, visuals and some links to go along with the things that we're talking about. And um, we'll be doing this show for a really long time. Yeah, as long as we want to. As long as we want to. And then we'll do something else. Yeah. <laughs> but thanks to technology, you'll know about it. Yeah. So what we're going to do right now, in an example of what we can do, we will do, we're going to break here, we're going to watch the Enterprise finale, and then we're going to come back and talk about it. Yay! So now, it's time for a commercial. A comer! Y ahora... Mírale el culito con las chicas sexy, LT y la gatita de la jungla. So, listeners. Listeners. Welcome to show 200. 200. Oh my God, I can't believe that it's show 200. And further, as we were just saying a moment ago, that we have been doing this since 2005. That's over nine light years. That's a lifetime ago. <laughs> it feels like it anyway. I know. I had a different dog then. I lived in California. <laughs> My life has changed quite a bit since then. Um, yeah, you were here, now you're not here. And what I loved about that is that we said something like, we're just going to keep doing this until we don't feel like doing it anymore. <laughs> and here it is. And I was going to say, that's been the one constant. Is <laughs> Bill, and look at his Looking butt. Look at his butt. I, so it was a real treat to listen to that first show again. Thank you for suggesting it, by the way. That was a brilliant idea. Well, I thought, you know, I thought, well, we'll listen to it. And be amazed at how far we've come. And I listened to it and I went, this sounds like any other show it's the same you've show. done. It's exactly the same. I was like, okay, it's the same music. 
It's the same intro music. It's the same, basically, intro where I say, show number one of Look at His Butt. <laughs> then it's us, like, figuring out what we're going to do. Then we take a break, and then we review something that we just watched on TV. That's, like, every show. <laughs> I know. But I liked where at the beginning when we were going to discuss why we're doing this. <laughs> and our big reason was because we can. Yeah. It's like, okay. That's the best reason, really. Um, it really is. And I have to say, I haven't done like a survey of the Trek podcasts that are out there, but I still think that shows by women like you and me are in the, the minority of, of all yes. Trek shows that exist. Yes, that's true. And we're the only Trek show out there that has consistently talked about William Shatner's butt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think we can claim that with just no no fear of contradiction. Right. That's our media conquered. <laughs> We conquered podcasting. Yay. <laughs> Yay, us. We were we were in very close to the beginning of podcasting. We were. I think we started podcasting about six months after I, I discovered what podcasts were. And I didn't even know. Yeah. It, so we were there. We were right there. You are my you are my fearless leader. My mentor. I am so proud of us for continuing this silliness for such a long time. It's been one of the greatest sources of joy and creativity in my life. It really has been. Well, mine too. It has, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's been absolutely wonderful for me, something to look forward to. And of course, as soon as we record it, I forget what we talked about. So two weeks later when you post it, I listen to it. I go, oh yeah, oh yeah. And you know, listeners, you are the bonus because yes. <laughs> then we can pretend we have a real reason other than just wanting to gab about William Shatner with each other. Now we record it and in, inflicted on the world it's true but it's as we've said before you know doing this show has made us do so many things that we probably would never have done oh absolutely well you know most recently sending a, a recording to bill yes. and you know interviewing people we have met either in real life or through online or or talking via skype so many wonderful and interesting people because we do this. It is. And, you know, I love talking about this show with people when, when we're, we're talking about Trek and, you know, fandom mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And I love being able to say, yeah, we've been doing this podcast forever and we've talked about all kinds of things and we love it. And people listening to it really seem to like it, which still amazes me. And <laughs> it's just great. So hooray for Look at His Butt. 200 episodes of Looking at His Butt. Yes, and the thing is, we've actually done many more than that because we did a lot of special shows and posted interviews and things like that. But as far as official show number, yes, it's show two hundred. Show two hundred. So we have um, the usual amount of Shatner-related stuff to talk about, and we have a few uh, special surprises that we'll get to. I think probably in the second half of the show. Yes, yes, but we we have prepared a list. We are ready to uh, to discuss things that need discussing. Well, I'll tell you. Given that we're talking about fandom a little bit, I have a thing that I'd like to read about fandom. Okay. And I think this would be a, a good segue into talking about other things. Don't worry. There's plenty of Bill stuff to talk about. But All right. There better be. Um, we, we, <laughs> or I'm going home. Yeah, really. Um, we, we have often talked about fandom as we have participated in it because we've participated in a lot of fandom. And not just Star Trek fandom either. There have been other fandoms. And not for me. <laughs> 
I've been in other fandoms. Um, okay, and yeah. And I think you, you both, opened you opened other doors for me. We've both observed other fandoms too. You know, that's true. not just participating, but looking at it from the outside and seeing how the media reports on it and things. There has been a lot that gets written on the internet about fandom, and as we've noted too, Star Trek fandom is perceived often as the domain of boys. Right? That's what guys mm-hmm. do. They're the Star Trek fans, but in actuality, it's been women throughout the years and it's still the the active fandom is still a lot of women so people wonder and they think about this and they write things and i found something on uh, tumblr the other day that i thought was really good so i just wanted to read it sure so here it is it says uh this person and uh their screen name is sci-fi girl 47 good name so mm-hmm. she writes, I saw an argument, and I can't find it now, but it totally made sense that there's a gender split in fandom. Male fandom tends to be curator fandom. They collect, they organize, they memorize facts and figures. Male fandom tends to be keepers of the canon. The fandom places great weight on those who have the biggest collection, the deepest knowledge of obscure subjects, the first appearances, creators, characters, interactions. Female fandom is creative. Females create fan art, cosplay, fan writings. Female fandom alters canon for the simple reason that canon does not serve female fandom. In order for it to fit the outsider, and that could be female or queer or person of color, the canon must be attacked and rebuilt, and that takes creation. Male fandom devalues this contribution to fandom because it is not the right kind of fandom. A quote like, girls only cosplay for attention, they're not real fans. Or, fan fiction is full of stupid Mary Sues, girls only do it so they can make out with the main character. Or, I, a male artist, have done this pinup work and can put it in my portfolio. You, a female artist, have drawn stupid fan art, and it's not appropriate to use as a professional reference. In the minds of people who decry the, quote, fake geek girl, unquote, this fandom is not worthy. It damages, or in their mind, destroys the canon. What is the point of memorizing every possible romantic entanglement of heterosexual white Danny Rand? I don't know who that is. I have no idea. character. If someone turns around and creates a fan work depicting him as a bisexual female of Asian descent... When Danny Rand becomes Danny with an I Rand, their power is lessened. What is important to them, that is the male fans, ceases to be the focus of discussion. Creation and curatorship can work in tandem, but typically in fandom they are on opposite poles. This is not to say that there aren't brilliant male cosplayers or smashing female trivia experts. This is to say that the need of the individual fan is met with opposing concepts. In order for me to find myself in comics or Star Trek fandom, I need to make that space for myself, and that is a creative force. Your typical het white cis males are more likely to do anything possible to defend and preserve the canon because the canon is built to cater to them. Yes. And I thought that was just a really nice way of of summing it up, you know, that there is a split, and I think that that's right. And in my experience, the female side does tend to be the the really creative side. Where ca- now the exception to that is, I believe the fan films are mostly guy driven. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, but yes. I'm very very much uh, in agreement with this person. And when when you were first reading the part about the 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 male is the curator one, mm-hmm. and I was going, this totally uh, flips the. Uh, male hunter, female gatherer thing on its head. <laughs> yep, I think that's true. Because if they're just gathering up, curating the, the facts, term I'm using loosely, um, and the females are out 
creating, mm-hmm. hunting down new ideas. Yeah. That's like, oh, boy, we are really, really turning things upside down. Yeah, I, I just, I, I really like that, that inversion I really like. And mm-hmm. I, I also like the fact that this little essay here isn't ranking one above the other and saying that one kind of fandom is better than another kind of fandom. They're just mm-hmm. different. And for people to get so worked up that a kind of fandom is bad fandom, like that's stupid. <laughs> you know, just yeah. it's the kind of fandom you want to do and you yeah, you make your space in it. And you know, that's what we've done, right, with our podcast. This yes. this is our way of doing fandom was having a podcast and talking about it. And it doesn't mean everybody needs to have a podcast or that everybody needs to listen to what we have to say. But it's although they should they should. But this is our way of doing it. And everybody yeah. needs to just find their own way. So Especially, I, I think the reaction comes from a lot of the, the collectors, right, who are, are mm-hmm. like, everybody else is doing fandom wrong. This is the way to do it. You have to do it this way. You have to collect all the pieces and you have to go to all the cons at certain times and get everybody's autograph. And if you don't do that, then you're not a real fan. Well, and we've seen that sort of um, infighting even within the the sectors of fandom like in fanfic yes. i mean the 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 war of of slashers versus non-slashers or how you see kirk mm-hmm. or how you portray spock or you know the whole thing i mean it, the, there is this you're doing it wrong you can't do it uh kickback yes that i know came as a huge shock to me and i have learned came as a huge shock to so many people when they first entered fandom of any kind and especially fanfic, because it is creative, and we know how bizarre people can get with their creativity, and I'm including myself in that. But um, that you're going, oh, at last, a place where where I can, you know, be myself when it comes to Star Trek. This is great. And so you start putting all your stuff out there, and then you get burned. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like, but but I thought you guys were like me, and that doesn't necessarily mean think like me. Mm-hmm. You know, we're never quite prepared for that. Yeah, yeah. It, it is amazing to me how rabidly, and I use that word very deliberately, people will yes. defend their, their view of fandom, the, mm-hmm. that, that their way is the right way. And anybody who thinks they're wrong or who does it differently is just, they, they need to be killed. And yes, to the or ground. educated or, you know, go to the um, reorientation center yeah. and get brainwashed it's just crazy so let's let's stop all the fan fighting and just enjoy our kind of fandom because everybody's kind of fandom is the kind that they want and that's cool mm-hmm. and it's the kind they should have yeah. and you know make up your own but it, it's interesting to me that that you just found that because just today when i was i don't know hanging out on the net i ran across this article about it's like a club called nerdy girls <laughs> have you ever heard no. of this there apparently are chapters all across the country, and it, it's a, a place for, I don't know if it's grown women or girls or whatever, to to get together and, you know, do their, their nerdy things that they're into, like, uh, you know, Star Trek and, and uh, Walking Dead mm-hmm. and, and, and all those different things, but it's for girls, and it's called Nerdy Girls. That's cool. I like that. I know. I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to see if there's a nerdy girl chapter here in Chicago. Not that I necessarily want to join, but I think it might be interesting to talk to them. Yeah, that's cool. I like that. Yeah. Very good. Well, anyway, that's my thing about fandom. Well, thank you for sharing that sure, with us. Sure, I think it's an important thing. 
what do you want to talk about next? Should we talk about William Shatner? Let's talk about William Shatner and his latest media conquered <gasps> reality TV. Oh my God. I am so in love with this show. I can't tell you. So am I. First of all, I love, you know, HGTV and the buying and selling and, and, you know, rehabbing the houses and redoing them to make them this. And then there's Bill, you know, so it's, it's, it couldn't, couldn't get too much better unless somebody was in here serving me delicious food while I was watching it. As it was, I had to make do with popcorn. Oh, the thing that I love, love, love about this show, too, there are so many things I love about it, is that it's Bill's show, right? I, yes. I, I thought it was going to be more like uh, there would be a host. I thought there would be a host and that they would <laughs> – that wasn't Bill, that is, that would uh-huh. that would sort of go around and, and talk to them and be the anchor for it. I didn't realize that Bill is the host of his own show. I know. <laughs> it's so funny. Yes, and they are just so cute together. Oh, I love them. I love Liz. She is amazing. I do, too, and I'm loving her more with, with each episode. They've had three episodes now. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen all three, and it it just gets gets better and better um, as they each you know have their ideas and how they resolve some of the the little conflicts and then how supportive they are of each other on other ideas yep. and it's great. So it looks to, so. How many episodes are six? Right. Um, I don't know. I know they've shown three. Yeah, I, th- so. I think it's six or eight or something. It's not like okay. twelve. Um, and it looks like they're redoing the major rooms of the house, right? Mm-hmm. So they're, they're, they did the kitchen. Um, right. They did their big front porch. They did the uh, the living room, the, the river room. And that's episode three is the river yeah. room. Yeah, and then it looks like from coming attractions, the next one is going to be their bedroom. I think so. Yeah. So they're doing it piece by piece. Some of it seems to be happening simultaneously. You could tell from the, the way things were being shot. You could see them mm-hmm. working in other areas of the house. You know, the big question is, how much of this did the DIY network pay for? That's what I'm wondering. It's not like Bill doesn't have the money. No. Um, and I think if he was really committed to redoing his house, he wouldn't hesitate to spend the money to do it right. Mm-hmm. But, man, this must be costing a lot of money. Oh, my God. Yes, because I think at the end they will have gutted and redone mm. the entire house. Yeah. Let I want to talk about um, the, the kitchen and the river room episodes. Well, you didn't see the river room, did I you? I did. It was just on last night. Oh, so you have seen three episodes now? I only saw a little bit of the front porch one. Oh, okay. So, all right. Okay, now I know where we are. Okay. All right. Well, let's start out with the kitchen episode because okay. that's where they started. Yeah. They... Uh, had to vet, I guess, a designer, this very mm-hmm. nice woman named Jenny, who seems quite young, but also quite talented. Yes. And she came in, they told her what they wanted to do with their old kitchen, which really did look like it hadn't been updated in 40 years. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it had um, one of those digital clocks on the oven, you know, the, the one where the numbers <laughs> <Yes>. roll. Yeah. <laughs> like they used them on the Enterprise. Um, so... <laughs> She, they told her what they wanted. She went away, did some designs. They didn't like it. Uh, she went away, did other designs, which they loved. I have to say, I thought that part was staged. I, I didn't think that that was really the way it happened. Uh, maybe. I mean, she obviously did do two designs. Mm-hmm. But it just felt 
kind of forced. Like they did that yeah. to create some drama because mm-hmm. her first set of designs did not incorporate at all what they asked for. And I don't think any designer worth their salt would come back with something so far off from what the client right. actually wanted. Right. So, but anyway, be that as it may. Well, why don't you, why don't you tell everybody what, what, uh, what Liz asked for? <laughs> okay. Liz wanted, this was the highlight of the whole show. Uh, because they entertain a lot, mm-hmm. as she has explained, and we'll have like 30 plus people over, and she says she does all the cooking. Mm-hmm. So she wanted four ovens, four refrigerators, three sinks, and three dishwashers. Mm-hmm. And Bill just was not understanding this. And at one point, the two of them sat down together, and Liz said to him, You have made me feel guilty. You have taken all the joy out of mm-hmm. this. And I thought, oh, my God, this is such a marriage discussion. You know, I mean, we've, if you're in any sort of long-term relationship, you've had this kind of discussion. Mm-hmm. And at one point, she says, just give me this one thing. And Bill goes, well, it sounds like I'm giving you four things. <laughs> but, of course, she, she got her way. Mm-hmm. She got what she wanted. Um, and I, of course, was completely on her side. If you, you know, do all that, mm-hmm. then then you're going to want these things. And, of course, Bill couldn't let it drop. I mean, even when it was done, he had to keep teasing mm-hmm. her about it. And if you don't like this oven, you can mm-hmm. go to this oven or this oven or this oven. So, you know, I'm kind of surprised Liz didn't pick something up and hit him with it. Well, but maybe she did that off screen. Um, but Maybe she did. It was really, I was really happy to see her call him on that because yes. you could see that that, she was hurt. It, it, you could really tell by what she said mm-hmm. and the look on her face that he was just kind of being a jerk about teasing her about this too much. Yes, and yes. She didn't let it go and that was exactly right and he seemed genuinely a little contrite after that, that he was giving her such a hard time. Yes, yes, he did. Now, the couple of things that I just loved was when they were going to help out. And so <laughs> awesome. Bill gets a hammer, mm-hmm. and he's, like, banging on the the uh, countertop like he's swatting flies. Uh-huh. And Liz comes in and hauls off and, you know, bam, mm-hmm. on the counter. Bill jumps back about two feet and says, holy cats, Liz. <laughs> I, I think that was representative of how much she hated that kitchen. I think so, too. And I was thinking that, yeah, she wants it, it out of there. You know, she wants she wants to get what she wants. And then when it was all done, it was so cute. Bill was in the uh, the kitchen with Ginny, the designer, and Liz was going to come in. He goes, okay, I want I want to give her an entrance. Mm-hmm. And they have remote-controlled blinds. Mm-hmm. You hit the button, and the blinds go up, so the light comes in. And Liz comes in, she's going... Oh, my God, look at this. Look at this. And Bill's going, Liz, Liz, no, wait, stop. Liz, stop. Stay right there. Liz, 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 I'm trying to, I'm trying to give you an entrance. I'm trying to, you know, it was so she funny. could care less. So funny. I know. He, had, he was like, you're ruining my moment. <laughs> <laughs> well, the other thing, um, this reminded me of something else we saw, and I can't remember what the circumstance was, but it was something about, well, you know, Liz is in the kitchen with Ginny and the contractors, and and I'm left out of it. Mm-hmm. And do you remember we saw something, some, you know, get a life documentary or something, where one of his daughters was having a baby? And he's going, well, the husband can go in, Liz can go <laughs> in, her sisters can go in. 
everybody but me. I can't go in. And Bill just hates to be left out of things. Oh, man, he really Even really things does. he probably would not really enjoy being part really. of. Really, he just, he needs to know. He needs to know yeah. what's going yes. on all the time. Yes, yes. Oh, it was, it was a great, great episode. I have to say, I, I really like their new kitchen. Um, oh, yeah. Often on these home re- remodel shows, I hate what they choose because it's just yes. awful. It's overdone and the colors mm-hmm. don't match and ugh. But I, I really liked everything that they chose. I think their new kitchen looks fabulous. It does. And they put dog kennels mm-hmm. under one of the counters. Mm-hmm. And they explained in that episode and um, also in the, the River Room episode how dogs are very much part of the family. And, yes, they are making concessions to the dogs. But this is how it's got to be. Yep. You know, so don't don't try to change our mind on that. It, it was great. A couple of things I really liked about that. So I, I, my prediction came true. He started interviewing the grouting guy. (laughs) (laughs) I was really happy that I called that. Um, And it was exactly as you would expect it. He's, he's like, this, this looks very complicated. This looks like it takes a lot of skill. Can you show me how to do that? And they like the guys letting him do it. feels like I'm, I'm just wasting a lot of grout here. And it was just, (laughs) it was too funny. Oh yeah, that was awesome. I I have to say when when Liz came in when they gave her the big surprise about what it looked like, mm-hmm. I love that jacket that she was wearing. I thought that was oh, like yeah. the most elegant looking thing I'd ever seen. Mm-hmm. I want one. I bet it cost like a thousand dollars, but anyway, it looked good. I loved at the very end when they were ooing and aahing over everything and talking about how big the sink was. Yes. And the designer, who is a petite woman, said something like, yes. "I could probably take a bath in there." And Bill's like. Well, let's find out. And he and she's like, "Oh no, that's okay." And he just kind of marches over to her. He picked her up. Yes, like he just swept her up and dumped her in the sink. And she was being very nice, and you know they were joking about it. And he thought that was the funniest thing he'd ever seen. But he's eighty-five years old, and he just picked I, her up and dumped her in the sink. I know. And then Liz got into it, pretending like she was, you know, bathing her with the sprayer and. Bill was laughing so hard he had to like lean on one of the counters. But yeah, that was that was great. <laughs> Bill, you're amazing, man. He is totally, totally amazing. Yeah. So that was great. Um, so apparently around the house, Bill wears uh, Birkenstock sandals mm-hmm. with socks. Sometimes with socks. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, one of the things I am really loving about this is Bill is obviously very much attached to this house. Mm-hmm. And you can tell so much about a person by their home. And I, I love the idea that Liz has very, very specific ideas about what that kitchen should be because she actually uses mm-hmm. it, which I think is probably very unusual for a Hollywood couple. Yeah. And as we see, um, you know, other parts of the houses they work on, and especially the river room, you can tell they are doing this for themselves it's not well we want this to look good when so-and-so comes Mm -hmm. over or we want to impress our friends or blah 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 this is like this is our home this is where we get to relax and be ourselves and so it's got to be like this that pleases us Mm -hmm. definitely it's going to be a a home that they live in and have their friends over and their children and their dogs and everything is going to get used those four fridges are going to get used yes those four ovens they're going to get used it's not just mm-hmm. for show like so many other celebrity no. homes that you see 
In fact, I would say, um, I mean, it's wonderful to have the money to do whatever you want, but I would say from what we've seen so far, none of it is for show. No. It is for pleasing them as the people who actually live there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, on so many of the other home remodel shows I watch, um, it's like they get to know the couple and the whole thing, and then... Totally ignore the way they actually live. (laughs) You know, they have toddlers, so let's do all white furniture. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's like, what? So, um, I'm, yeah, I'm totally enjoying this. I'm in love with this show. So, The River Room. Wait, wait, Um, now let's do The the Porch, because that's episode two. You talk about The Porch, because I only saw the very end of that one. Okay. They have this big, long porch in front of their house, which has the entrance. And Bill insists on calling it a balcony. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's not a balcony. I know. It's on the ground level. People walk up and come in. But um, So they're making that into an interior portion of the house. Mm-hmm. So um, so that's the plan. And they're, they're putting in these big, beautiful Mediterranean arches. And um, here's what Bill has to say about that. The arch has a beautiful curve. It's like the curve of a woman. <laughs> Of course it is. Of course. And also, he talks one of the workmen into repairing his Harley. Really? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And then he rides it wearing a helmet, which was great. Um, And and they did one really wonderful, interesting thing that also turned into just a really funny Bill thing to me. Um, When they knocked down what used to be the front wall that, you know, separated the house from the porch, the middle section is load-bearing. So that couldn't go. And Ginny suggested, you know, that they, they make that like a centerpiece of the entrance, hang a piece of artwork up there that they really love. And Bill goes, oh, we could use that portrait of the, the painting of the Wailing Wall that we got in Jerusalem. So great. You know, it's a beautiful, beautiful picture and everything. Well, then Ginny comes in one day. She is so excited. She has found a slab of limestone to put up on that wall and have the picture against it. And the color of the limestone is Jerusalem gold. Oh. So in Bill's mind now, as he explains it, this is the same limestone that the Wailing Wall is made of. <laughs> right. But here's what really got me. When we remodeled our bathrooms, remember that master bathroom? Uh-huh. The limestone on the floor was Jerusalem gold. Was it really? Oh. It was. <laughs> you guys have the same taste. That's amazing. I guess so. And then, did you see at the very end with the rocking chair? Yes, I thought that was oh. adorable. Yeah, at the, at the his new favorite spot is this rocking chair in in uh, in front of one of the new arches. You know, you're in the house, but you're looking out through this beautiful window. And Liz says, oh, I wish this were a two-seater. But then she sits on his lap, mm-hmm. and they cuddle. And, you know, it's like, yeah, this this will, this will be good. This is good as it is. So it was a, a lovely episode. I love what they did. Um, I don't really quite understand why they did it. I don't know what was the reason for not having the porch or balcony. But beautiful work. It was. They put on uh, lovely hardwood flooring, dark flooring, mm-hmm. and, and two enormous front doors, double doors, that were um, like 
tremendous. I think did they come from Mexico or something? Yes, they were saying they were handmade in Mexico. Oh, right. I saw one part of it where um, when the doors were delivered, um, they, she was going on about, oh, they're made in Mexico, made in Mexico. They're really beautiful. They're handmade. They're huge and heavy. And um, Liz said to Bill, um, they really did a good job for you in Mexico. And Bill looked at her and goes, what? <laughs> and she just looked at him like, oh, my God, I can't believe I married you. <laughs> it was so funny. Yes. I, I thought maybe they redid that porch because they just weren't getting a lot of use out of it the way it was. Oh, that's true. You know, it, yeah. it had a lot of, um, there were vines growing on it, and it, maybe it doesn't face the sun, so it doesn't get warm, or it, it's just not convenient for them. And the way it is now, it, it looks like it's a much more usable space. Well, yes, and one of the things Bill was saying is they loved the vines, you know, going up. And once they started doing the work, because he wanted to keep those vines, they said, look, the vines are growing into the house mm. and are damaging things, because this is what vines do so you know they had to the vines had to go yep. um, but it's beautiful it does it looks great now the front of the house looks really really impressive and now they have their um, lovely lovely kitchen and then they have a new river room yes now when I watched this I was going why is it called <laughs> the river room and and then it became apparent but I'm the, the one thing that really excited me from the beginning of the episode and I bet it excited you too was we saw the infamous fountain. I know. I was so excited, and I was looking, <laughs> and I was looking, and I'm like, where the hell are his Emmys? They're not yes. there. He moved them, or Liz yes. moved them. I don't know. <laughs> uh, so what, do you think he just plopped them down on that big wall of rock, or what? <laughs> I don't think he did any such thing. I think he was just making making stuff up so they have this enormous room it looked pretty big although it was kind of hard to tell yes. how big the room actually was because they've got those fish eye lenses that sometimes make rooms look bigger than they are mm -hmm. but along one wall was some river rock that was built into the wall so it, it looked like kind of a cliff face i guess and mm -hmm. then there was plants growing on top of it and there was a fountain so the water was coming out of the wall and going into the fountain mm -hmm. And that was the first thing that the designer suggested they get rid of. And Bill just stared at her. <laughs> um, she's saying, it's very 70s looking, so I'm sure you don't mind if we knock it down. And he was adamant that is not going anywhere. Yeah, so that was interesting. And I was kind of surprised that she wanted to take it down. First of all, if they're calling it the river room. <laughs> But I would say, from what we've seen, that room seems to be very much the heart of the house. Yeah. And um, I'm very glad that they didn't let her knock that down, because if anything, the room looks even more beautiful now, and, and that's part of it. Yeah, I agree. I think it helped a lot that they changed all the things that they changed, like the flooring and the paint, mm -hmm. and also that they changed the plants that were in there, because yes. I think that was, for me, that was a big part of it. Those plants just looked like bad office plants. They did. Yeah, the, the new plants, and we should explain, that they covered this whole thing up with a tarp, plastic tarp, to protect it from all the other work that was going on, and of course, when they took it down, all the plants had died. Mm -hmm. And Bill was not too happy, but they went to a, a you know garden center and had somebody you know 
pick out the plants and, you know, design what would look good up there. And it really looked so much better and so, so beautiful. So it ended up being a really beautifully designed room with, I I would say, not not at all ostentatious Mm -mm. uh, furniture and everything else in it. You know, you always worry that they're going to go crazy and put stuff in that that will look ridiculous. But no, it it looked really good. I mean, it wasn't exactly Mm -hmm. understated, but I thought everything looked good. And they were talking about how that room is where they keep the art pieces that they love the most. Mm-hmm. And so now they have a beautiful new glass cabinet where some of that stuff goes and paintings and sculptures. And it just really looks like a nice room. And I think Bill said that they kept the two big chairs that they liked the most. Yes. He said our two most comfortable chairs. Mm-hmm. And they look, um, they look good. They did. Now we have to talk about the trap door. <laughs> that was great. They were making one corner of that new front area into a powder room. And when they took up the old floor, they found a trap door. And Bill wasn't completely unaware of this. And Liz got so excited and was ready to just jump down that hole right then, give her a flashlight, Mm -hmm. off she'd go. And Bill was not going in there for anything. And he didn't want her to. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So she got one of the workmen. And so he goes down there and he's, he's... you know, bringing things up. It was like a shutter and a piece of tile. There were a lot of tiles. You know, Just, it was like yes. tile storage. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it wasn't anything that exciting, but it gave Liz what I thought was a really interesting idea, mm-hmm. that they should put together their own little time capsule. Yeah. And so that when a future owner, 100 years from now, when Bill maybe has died, <laughs> um finds a trapdoor, they'll know something about the people who lived there before. So she's getting things together to put in her time capsule. And Bill says, this time capsule is going to last six months. <laughs> but she puts in a statue of, of their um, one of their horses, Call Me Ringo, and um, puts in Bill's CD. And then I guess later Bill put in a picture and wrote a note or something. But, um, so, she, you know, she puts it down in the, the trap door. And <laughs> it's like, well, you know, that's really an interesting idea. But, oh, man, she was so excited, she you was. know. I know. I thought it was great that she got into it. And she mm-hmm. just would not let Bill bring her down off of this idea. No. She, and and she, the box that she had chosen was just a little too small. And he's like, well, now what are you going to do? You can't get it closed. And she's like, I'm going to get a bigger box. <laughs> yes. Well, here's one of the things. I think um, it's part of what makes them, I think, a good couple, is I think her level of enthusiasm for the things that grab her are, are like his enthusiasm. Yeah, yeah. But they may be different. Mm-hmm. You know, Bill might never, ever have thought of, let's do a time capsule. But, um, you know, so she does it, and she's as enthusiastic and go after it as he is, you know, when he decides he's, you know, going to do whatever it is he's going to do. And so, you know, they they seem to complement each other really well that way. They really do. And you can tell that they love, the two of them love their home, and they love being in it, and they love doing things together in their house. Yes. It's just great. I cannot wait to see what else they're going to do. Um, well, I'm just thinking if you travel as much as they do and have to get all dolled up to go to, you know, special appearances and everything like that. And, you know, so much of, of their activities are centered around either their world of horses mm-hmm. or Bill's career that 
your your coming home from all that, especially from travel, to your own home is really important. Mm -hmm. And to have it be what you want it to be and be a reflection of you. And I think that Ginny seems to be doing a wonderful job. I mean, I like what she's doing. And they seem very, very uh, pleased with what she's done so far. So, um, I, yeah, it's, it's a fun process to watch. It is. It is great. And Bill is just clearly enjoying every second of this process. I, I think this mm-hmm. for him is probably the most fun he's had doing something in a while because he really <laughs> loves it. And he loves talking to the camera on his little asides when he's yes. making snarky comments or um, trying to predict what's going to happen. Uh, he, mm-hmm. he couldn't, it's like it was made for him. Yes. It's, yes. It's so wonderful. So if you haven't seen The Shatner Project, watch it. Like, find it online or look for it on demand or something. You will not be disappointed. It's on the DIY network. Mm-hmm. Do it yourself. Um, I have, uh, well, whoever, whatever my cable provider is, I get it. It's also on on demand. Mm-hmm. So, um, and yeah, you could probably find it online, but it is, it is just so much fun and they are so sweet together. Yeah, they're just wonderful. I, I also love Bill's, <clears throat> excuse me, choice of words. I think when Jenny had shown him one design that he particularly liked, he said, I'm dazzled. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't just impressed. He was dazzled. He was dazzled. Well, as we've said before, Bill lives in a world of superlatives. Mm-hmm. Yes. Now, while we're talking about Bill's home, I just want to read this little thing I ran across about Jimmy Kimmel. Mm -hmm. And he um, is going, uh, the the CMA Awards are on tonight or whenever, and Brad Paisley is one of the hosts, and he is a friend of his, of Kimmel's. And, And it says, the two met years ago in L.A. at a Monday night football party hosted by mutual friend William Shatner. William Shatner, Brad Paisley, and Jimmy Kimmel at the same party? Hard to imagine. (laughs) Yeah, I couldn't imagine it either, Kimmel said, but it was fun. And William Shatner had the best projection screen TV (laughs) I've ever seen in my life. Yep, because Bill has to have the best of everything. Well, and also, if he's going to host parties for football... Mm -hmm. You're going you're gonna to see it like you're on the field. Exactly. I did yeah. want to mention that in the original kitchen, there was a big TV. Yes. And I noticed that in the new kitchen, there was no TV. So I'm wondering <laughs> if there is going to be a TV in the kitchen somewhere. Mm-hmm. Because that was kind of interesting. Yes. So, you know, I was watching this um, with someone, and that person said to me, how is it that Bill and Liz entertain all the time and have all these parties and you guys haven't been invited (laughs) yeah and i i didn't have an answer for that question frankly yeah i think it's high time that we were invited to something Mm -hmm. i don't know well you know i used to have this really stupid idea and i realize now how stupid it is but i honestly thought shatner weekend he had everybody over to his house (laughs) (laughs) you know like you hung out for the afternoon at bill's (laughs) that would have been awesome i would well it would have been awesome but also knowing you they would have been a few artifacts shy when we left well probably not it just would have had fingerprints all over everything and bill would have been like don't touch that don't don't just don't get away from there i know well i i think the reason we haven't been invited at least to the football one is 
football. I mean, who cares? Yeah, that's true. You, you know, Bill knows that we that wouldn't be our kind of party. But, you know, he, but. he invites Henry Rollins to his parties. <laughs> Why are we not invited to his parties? I don't know, because we're, um, what are we? We're charming and compelling or something? We're clever and compelling. Clever and compelling. And we do important yes. work. And we do important work. And he could interview us. He would like to know about the podcast. I think he would. I really do. Yes. Well, that's the Shatner Project. Everybody go watch it. It is delightful. Yes, and it's just another thing on a really long list of just Bill doing everything he wants to do and making sure it gets filmed. Yes. (laughs) Prime time. Okay. Do you want to read some Shatner dreams? Um, I want us to take a little break first. Okay, let's do that. And um, we will read Shatner Dreams, and I think we may have a special visitor. We, we will have very interesting things happening, and after we have our break, our normal break, we will also play something that was a special greeting sent to us just for the 200th show, so you guys will yes. enjoy that. Okay. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. It's five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. We love our listeners, and we love hearing from you. Send email to lookathisbutt at gmail.com and leave comments at lookathisbutt.blogspot.com. Check us out on Facebook, too. Still recording on the trusty MacBook Pro. Great butt talk comes great responsibility. Hello, Maynard here from Sydney, Australia, and from maynard.com.au. Come on, I had to shill, didn't I? That's exactly what they'll be expecting us to do. Daring to go where no man has been allowed since 1972, it's Look at His Butt, over 8,000 episodes old. That's right. Where would you get your Shatman advice and your sex toy advice in one podcast? You can't think of a podcast because there isn't one except look at his butt. On behalf of the entire population of Australia, there they are. Thanks, people. We salute you. Long may you reign. Bless you and all that sail in you. And as William Shatner once said, could you please move your hand? I love your show. Get me a complete file on everyone who's seen The Sound of Music more than four times. So, listeners, that was a wonderful custom greeting from our friend Maynard from Australia. Yes, from Down Under. From Down Under, who is a loyal fan of the show. He's always sending us comments. He's shilling for us. He's telling everybody about our show. And he recorded this wonderful 200th show greeting for us, and we were so thrilled and touched by that. Yes, uh, I thought it was amazing. I love that he, you know, cut in extra sounds and everything, Mm -hmm. so... That, that was that was great. Great homework there, Maynard. Yes. Extra gold stars for you. Thank you so much for doing that. We really, really appreciated it. It was so such yes. a nice surprise. It was. It was wonderful. We all we always love hearing from everybody, mm-hmm. but you know, Maynard, we get well, we get a huge kick out of whoever contacts us. Yeah. It's always fun. Yes. <clears throat> so <clears throat> yes, me too. Uh, let's talk a little bit about this Trek and Cinerama thing because yes, I, I have a little story to go along with it. So uh, all right, this was on the web. I think it might have been on Trek Today or something. But there's a guy 
there's always a guy. And <laughs> his name is Nick Acosta. And he's an artist and he's also a game developer. And he decided to do this project. So he took frames of Star Trek from the original series in shots where the camera pans because there are a lot of shots like that in episodes mm -hmm. where it's a one single camera shot where the camera pans from one side of the screen to the other and he took them and cut them together to make essentially a Cinerama view mm -hmm. and he put them on the web and they got picked up and I have to say these are the most beautiful things that I have seen they are they look like a, a Cinerama movie and they really do. They're beautiful. And the color, of course, he took them from the restored episodes, so the colors mm -hmm. are bright and the lighting is great and everything. And so he says, uh, I'm looking at his webpage here, he says, the result is pretty epic. It reminds me of the classic science fiction movies of the 50s and 60s. Suddenly the show has a forbidden planet vibe. Other shots remind me of how director Robert Wise would use a camera technique to keep the foreground and background elements in focus. And it's true. When you look at them, everything's in focus. There's no, like, blurriness. Right. So I had been looking at this. And then last weekend I was in San Francisco because I went to an event at the Castro Theater that was part of the Bay Area Science Festival. And it was sponsored by the Mythbusters guys because they have this online channel called Tested. It's tested.com. And they uh, they do some myth-busting stuff, but they also just are interested in new technologies and new ideas that people have. So this was a three-hour thing, and part of it was people coming up and giving five-minute talks about interesting uses of technology. And the very first guy was Nick Acosta. Oh, wow. And I was like, hey, it's the Star Trek and Cinerama guy. Oh, my God, I can't believe it. So he gave this really interesting five-minute talk about how he he explained Cinerama, which I actually hadn't understood as that mm -hmm. different, which was basically when they filmed things in Cinerama way back when, they used three cameras. Oh, now I had heard this, yeah. yes. and they had to film these giant widescreen scenes from with three cameras, and then later on, when everything was processed, they had to merge those images together to form this, you know, enormous view that was like being immersed in it. So, he wanted to recreate it, and he did it, and he showed the Star Trek images on this, the movie screen and seeing mm -hmm. them that big on a movie screen was amazing. I mean, I'm, oh. I'm looking at them now on my computer and they look great, but seeing them that big with that color, as big as they were, it was the most amazing thing. Oh, I was just like, neat. wow, this is so cool. So he's done about, I don't know, there's like maybe 20 of them here from all different mm -hmm. episodes. And, in some of them, because it wasn't a complete camera pan in one scene, some of the same, like there's one where, where Kirk is in it twice. <laughs> oh, I saw that one. Yeah, because, the, you know, the camera in one scene, right. Kirk was on the left, and then as they finished going around the bridge, he was on the right. So that that's kind of amusing. And then in fighting the Gorn thing, and he's also in it several times. Um, but everybody should just go and look at these because they're great. And I, I mean... I wish that everyone could see them on a movie screen like that because the effect is yeah. incredible. He, so he's done it for a couple other shows as well. And I was delighted that um, the last couple that he showed were Mystery Science Theater because <laughs> there were a few shots that they had done a pan across what is supposed to be the bridge of the Satellite of Love. And everybody was mm -hmm. like, yay. <laughs> 
So it was just great. And, you know, there, again, more creativity. You know, somebody thinking of doing something that nobody had ever done before, which was only made possible by the, the use of, you know, fast computers and processors and really, really good, you know, image processing software that exists now. Just, I, I'm so impressed when people do stuff like this. It's amazing. Oh, yeah. Amazing. That is so great. Yeah. So I'll put up a oh, link. That, that gave me shivers when you said he showed it on the big oh, screen. It was just great. Um, so I'll put the link in, and everybody should go take a look at this. It's yes. kind of enhanced if you're doing it in kind of a dark room, because then the mm-hmm. colors on the screen really pop. Right, right. Wow. Yeah. Pretty neat. Mm-hmm. Well, what do you have? Well, a couple of our listeners have had Shatner do I think that's amazing that more than one person did. He <laughs> Well, they didn't have him on the same night. Well, that's But okay. um we we're, we're going to read those right now. Mm-hmm. So this first one is it's very long. It's like the longest most involved dream I've ever read. <laughs> and I usually have very involved dreams, but it's from Froket, our good friend. And she says, "I dreamed that I was a former child star." having had supporting parts in a few cowboy movies and a handful of TV shows like Gunsmoke, Man from U.N.C.L.E., and a brief but very popular starring role as the genius, read articulate, (laughs) black kid in a sci-fi spy crime show. I was 17 and coming to the end of my child star career, starting college early and moving on. Somehow, I was the ward of John Wayne, who rescued me from horrible biological parents and foster homes. I never lived with him, but I had my own house with a housekeeper guardian, like Batman's Alfred, except she was a Mexican woman who never spoke English. (laughs) So specific. Yes, this is amazing. Anyway, I was home alone one night, studying for exams like a good girl. I heard a noise and suddenly remembered the crazy man who had stalked me since I was six. I called Uncle Duke, but he was out of town, but on his way back. He told me to call the police, and in the meantime, he would call William Shatner. He said, I don't trust that bastard, but he sure can kick ass. Shatner roared up on his motorcycle before the cops came. Of course he did. Of course. He was wearing a black T-shirt, shorts, and was barefoot. He searched the house and yard. When he came back into the house, he gave me a big Kirk hug. You know the way he does it. Squeezing your upper arms in his hands first, then crushing you to his chest. His body was hot and was soft with a layer of fat over muscle. He smelled strongly of sex. He held me until the cops came. I felt so safe, like I was being protected by a lion. Bill was furious when the cops finally showed and didn't believe me. They almost arrested him, but let him go when Jimmy Stewart showed up. (laughs) God, who's not in this dream? Jimmy Stewart uh, shooed the cops away, then chastised Bill for not being able to dance. That wow. is the most amazing dream. I demand that this be made into a movie immediately. <laughs> well, I'm just loving, you know, Jimmy Stewart is like the dance police. Oh, that's great. Francine, what were you drinking that night? That is amazing. I, don't know. I love it. I love her description of Bill. 
Yeah, oh. smelled of sex and held her till the cops arrived. Mm. Oh, and and really, you can tell. Like I was being protected by a lion. I mean, could yes. is that? Could there be anything more apt than that description? Really, that is true. <sighs> That's wonderful. I love it. Yeah, good good dream. So that'll be going up on the dream blog. Yes. And now, this next one came from our good friend Cheryl, our roving reporter, yes. who has, you know, done lots of work for us. And here is hers. I was at an airport, and the gate attendant would not let me onto my flight for some rules violation or the other. When they closed the gate, I went to another gate and sat down, dejected. The man next to me asked if there was a problem. It was Bill, latter year's Denny Crane negotiator version, plump and ruddy. (laughs) I told him I had missed my flight. He asked where I was going, and I told him I'm headed that way. (laughs) Good. (laughs) Good. He said, can I give you a lift? I kept my cool as I said, that would be great, thanks. But my mind was racing. Oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. I wonder if he will talk to me like he does the people he interviews. Will he think I'm boring? I wonder if I can name check LAHB without it seeming creepy. <laughs> oh. So we sort of had a guest appearance in that. Wow, dream. that is great. I, can you imagine? I, and I can. That's totally a Bill thing, isn't it? Can I give mm-hmm. you a lift <laughs> in my plane, yeah. in my rocket ship that's just parked outside? <laughs> I know. I'm going that way, too. (laughs) Well, you know, if he sits down next to a pretty woman and she says she's going a certain way, Bill's going to (laughs) go, what a coincidence. I'm going that way, too. Um, It reminds me of the episode of Seinfeld where Elaine met John F. Kennedy Jr. Mm -hmm. And uh, he offers her a lift. And he says, uh, or, or at one point he says to her, what's your name? And she's telling this to Jerry and George. She goes, I think I said Elaine, but who the hell knows? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. That's what, yeah. And, and her mental questions were exactly what everybody would be thinking, right? Right on the mark. Right on the mark. Will he find me boring? boring? That would be my biggest fear. Yep. Or that I would just be such a drooling fangirl, it would be embarrassing. Oh, you know, I don't think Bill thinks anybody's boring, really and truly. Uh, unless they're, you know, those people who give him Twitter hate that he blocks and makes fun of. Yes, yes. But anybody who's a reasonable, decent person, I don't think he would find anybody boring, honestly. Right. Oh, speaking of, of I, I don't know what brought this up. Oh, because Bill has been live tweeting a number of shows. I know. It fills up my Twitter feed. It's annoying. Oh. oh. <laughs> okay. Well, um, oh, come on. Facebook. That's what I want. Uh, he has been live tweeting once upon a time, which is just getting stupider and stupider, but I, you know, of course, keep watching it. And I had posted, I'm trying to get to it now, on the Look at His Butt Facebook page, um, how long did we think it would be before he was a guest star? And who would he play? What a good question. And we did get a response or two. Okay, here it is. Now that Bill is live tweeting once upon a time, we're wondering what fairy tale or nursery rhyme character should Bill play if he were to guest star? And the reason I put in nursery rhyme character is that week they had evil Bo Peep on. Oh, okay. <laughs> Just so like, you Did know. she have a goatee or a vest? Uh, no. Oh. Um, Samantha said, 
Sadly, the role of Prince Charming has already been taken. And then Jan said, Humpty Dumpty (laughs) or Old King Cole. Oh, that would be good, wouldn't it? Yeah. Wouldn't it? Yeah, that would be great. That would be wonderful. Hmm. So, we'll see. Um, Now I'm going to have to think about that to see if he would be some other character. Hmm. Mm. That's a really good question. Oh, good. I'm glad you liked yeah, it. Yeah, I like that a lot. And I've been posting a lot of photos and stuff up on the uh, the page, so people should, um, you know, be checking in on that. Yes. Uh, and a quick update. I, I have not heard anything about the um, me- aforementioned crowdsourcing of brown bag wine tasting. Um, you know, they, they said that they were thinking about doing it, and they were going to send email to their mailing list. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm on the mailing list, and I get their emails, but they haven't said anything about that. But I'll, I'll be sure to alert everyone if and when it actually happens. Okay. Very good. Well, um, we have a special guest star mm-hmm. here in the studio. <laughs> the studio. Has taken time out of her busy schedule to visit us on our 200th anniversary show. Yeah. So everybody, let's give a nice warm look at his butt welcome to Marjorie Kirk, Jimmy's mom. Yay! Hi, hi, oh, hi, gals. Marjorie, it has been so long since we talked with you. Oh, I know. It's just been light years. <laughs> but, you know, I, I've been so busy, but I, you know, I always, always listen to your show, and I knew you had this big anniversary of the, the 200,000th whatever show, and I wanted to stop by and give you both my congratulations. And this hot dish that I brought you. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I, I looked, I checked, you know, and I could not find what's the appropriate gift for that anniversary. You know, if, it, I mean, it was plutonium or, you know, I don't know what. So I thought I will just make the girls a nice hot dish because it you know it's fall it's getting cold they could probably use that oh thank you that is and so you nice. should you should just be so proud cuz i tell you i hear from people um and all the time you know and they ask me about jimmy but now people are asking about the butt girls oh wow and and what do you tell them when they ask i, I, hope I it's just tell good. them you are two of the nicest gals and just so much fun to talk to. And I have to tell you, um, I'm hearing not just, you know, from earthlings like that Maynard, but from other parts of the galaxy. The aliens are loving your show. Some of them don't really understand it. <laughs> so I have to, you know, explain it to them a little bit. But then, you know, they have so many questions. And here's one of the big questions, and I couldn't answer it. So I have to ask you this. Now, this show, is this a radio show or a TV show or a a blog or a podcast? Or or what is it? We all want to know. Well... It's a podcast, and if people don't... And what is that? Right, so if people don't understand what a podcast is, it's basically a radio show that's on the computer. 
and not on the actual radio. So you can't listen to it in your car just by flipping around the stations. You'd have to have a computer to listen to it. Oh, now you see, I wish I'd known that because I've spent so much time, you know, going from number to number looking for you gals on the radio. And, uh, yeah, it seemed like I could only get it at home, and now I'm thinking, yeah, I must have had the computer on to do that. Yeah, but. yeah sorry. Uh. Uh, you know, it's it's. we'd love to be on the actual radio. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe one day that'll happen. Um, it would be good. It would certainly bring more listeners, and probably more listeners from outer space if it was on the radio, too. Oh, yeah, because, you know, in the outer space, they, you know, some of them, they get really bored. They're starved for entertainment, and, of course, some of those alien places and cultures they just don't put a big stock in in entertainment mm-hmm. you know so this is this is all new and and fun to them but um i think you are going to end up on the radio because i know some of the aliens uh tell me that like it took them 200 years to get the show because the radio waves travel so slow but maybe it's podcast waves is that What's doing it? it because be. they're pretty far behind some of them on, on, on what's going on. I think they must have subspace Wi-Fi, and that's how they're getting it. Ah, mm-hmm. oh yeah, I see, I see. Well, you know, I contacted Jimmy. I wanted him to send you gals a special greeting, and you know, he said, "Well, what are they doing?" And of course, I didn't know what to tell him. And he, I said, "Well, ask Mister Spock." Because he'll know all this stuff. He's technical. Mm-hmm. But um, he didn't want to bother Mr. Spock with, you know, my nonsense. So, But I'm sure if he understood, he would have sent you a nice greeting because, you know, I raised him to be polite and to always, you know, say thank you to people who do nice things for you. And you gals doing this show for, you know, however long it's been, um, that that's a really, really nice thing. And so even though Jimmy didn't send you anything, I thought I'd drop by and, and tell you just how special it is and how much all of us are enjoying it. You know, all the, the ladies in my stitching bitch circle... <laughs> We just get together, and, you know, we used to do book club, but now we do look at his book club. And it's it's so much fun, and nobody ever has a bad thing to say about it, which is great, because some some of those gals, they just hated some of the books we read. So this this keeps it all very pleasant. Oh, that's wonderful. That That's great, and thank you for, for talking to Jimmy. Uh, is, is he good? Is everything good with him? Oh, everything's good. He is still out there, you know, having all his adventures in the outer space and and meeting the aliens and, you know, making sure that they're all friends with the Federation. Uh, So everything is is just going good. And uh, he couldn't be happier. You know, he just he could not wait to get away from Iowa. (laughs) And, uh, you know, space is about the furthest place you could go. So. You know, that, that's how he was. He always wanted to, to be out there among the stars. And 
whatever you know you gotta let them go their own way Mm -hmm. yeah well well thank you for for doing it if you do mention the show to him again you can tell him from us that um we're we're his biggest fans we are such admirers and that we are delighted that we've met you because you obviously raised the best son that there could ever be Oh, now that is so nice. Thank you. Thank you. That just warms my heart. That is a wonderful thing to say. And I just wish you two girls all the best. And I want you to do hundreds of more shows. We will. We absolutely will. Okay, I gotta I gotta run now because they're you know that oven I, it's not too dependable. I better go check on it and, and see that you know tonight's dinner is okay. But you gals enjoy that hot dish. Thank you, thank you so much. I can't wait to dig in. Bye bye. Oh, that Marjorie. Oh, she's so she's wonderful. What a wonderful woman. She is. She is. You know, just. Uh, she does so many things and still has time to come visit us. I know. It's great. And then she brings us a hot dish. And, you know, I as soon as I saw that there were potato chips crumbled on top, I knew that it was going to be good. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> so thank you, Marjorie. Thank you for mentioning it to Jimmy yeah, for us. that was wonderful. And uh, it's so exciting to find out that aliens are enjoying our show. I know. It is great and maybe we will be on the regular radio one day maybe we'll have our own serious xm show everybody else does <laughs> you know <laughs> and then we would get to go to bill's parties oh, that's the way that's the way to do it <laughs> okay so what's up next this is going to be a long show listeners because we're just so happy to be doing show 200 i know and we've just had so much that we wanted to talk about well we do have some things to read Okay. We can do that. We can do that now. All right. I think you're going to have to go first. All right. Because uh, I have to find mine. All right. So I'm doing this by request. That is your request. (laughs) (laughs) And you asked if I would read this story. And I was thinking maybe I'd read it before, but maybe I didn't. I know I've read this story. Oh, gosh. I'd read this story out loud when we used to do um, BASCON, right? When, when we would have yes. our room parties and everybody would read something. Mm-hmm. So I know I read it then, but maybe I never read it for the show. I don't know. Well, and, and this was my <clears throat> choice. I asked you to read this. Yeah, so it's been a while, and um, this is going to be uh, good. I hope I can get through it. All right. So this is a story that it's a funny story called The Truth About Kirk and Spock. And I don't remember if I wrote this for a challenge. There might have been a a challenge going around. But I know that I felt inspired at one point because we'd all been talking about um, blue eyeshadow a lot. (laughs) I don't know why, but it it came up and and I thought, all right, I I can do something. So it it starts off with um, some slashy stuff just as a warning for people. Here we go. James Kirk woke slowly, letting himself drift out of a dream and into his body. A warm, honey-sweet breeze tickled his nose, and the unique spicy scent reminded him where he was, Riza. As awareness crept back into his skin, the alien heat beside him reminded him of something else. Spock. Finally. After all these years, they had finally come together in this place made for pleasure and love, and it had been perfect. No, better than perfect. Their first night together had been stars and zephyrs and music, everything in the galaxy all at once. Kirk had arrived on this beautiful planet daring to hope only for pleasure, but in the darkness of the rise night he had found love. 
He opened his eyes to the gentle pink morning light and turned to look at his Vulcan lover, still sleeping peacefully on his side, not surprising since the Kron told him they'd been asleep for a scant three hours. Spotting the half-empty bottle of Astroglide on the night table, <laughs> Kirk grinned as he savored the memory of what had kept them up so late. Now they had a whole week ahead of them, with nothing to do but explore. Together. Better make myself presentable, Kirk thought, as he eased quietly out of the huge, comfy-down bed and padded barefoot to the bathroom. Um, I just, I have to pause here to say that all of these um, things that I'm mentioning that have brand names have TMs after them. But <laughs> okay. that was also something that was ongoing in fandom at the time. Yes, so I'm not yes. putting TMs after everything, but that's the way it's written. Okay. Okay. The sight that greeted him in the mirror <clears throat> was not a pretty one. The 22nd and a half century, and they still can't make mascara that doesn't smear. Kirk sometimes wondered whether the social rule that required men to wear cosmetics was actually engineered by women as revenge for centuries of spike-heeled shoes. Frankly, he liked the way his custom-blended eyeshadow brought out the hazel in his eyes, and that blush sure gave him more cheekbones than he had been born with. Maybe he did go a little heavy on the mascara, but so what? He was the captain, and the crew expected him to be larger than life. But he made a mental note to tell Sulu to tone down his eyeliner. The, hel <laughs> the helmsman was beginning to remind him of Ahura. <laughs> As Kirk rinsed the last of the fragrant soap suds away, he wondered again how Spock managed to keep that blue eyeshadow of his from smearing or fading. Not once in the three years they'd served together had Spock ever appeared less than perfectly groomed, even after wind and rain and night spent sleeping on the ground. The fact that Vulcans wore makeup at all had surprised him at first, but as he got to know Spock and later Sarek, he realized that their polished image was just as important as their logic. What more logical way to maintain the image than with cosmetics? Kirk regarded himself in the mirror once again. His chin was rough with stubble, but he decided he was sexier that way. He had scrubbed away every trace of raccoon eyes. Teeth were clean, breath minty. His hair was still straight on his head, though the skin glue that held it on was at the end of its life. That was another <laughs> thing they'd have to talk about today. Spock's hadn't seemed to care at all when Kirk had revealed the slim Sassoon belt he had to wear when his weight crept up past the upper limit McCoy had set for him. He merely said, "'You will not be needing clothes again soon, Jim.' and continued to trail hot kisses down Kirk's chest over his round belly to his impatient erection. Spock never even noticed that Kirk was a good two inches shorter without his boots on. <laughs> but the hair, that was different. A bald captain of the Enterprise? What crew would follow a bald captain into action? Kirk sighed. Spock would understand. And there was something Spock needed to explain. He crawled back between the pale, silky sheets and slipped an arm around the sleeping Vulcan. A quick glance told him that morning wood was not restricted to humans. The olive-green head of Spock's impressive hard-on peeked out at him from under the edge of the covers. By pulling at the sheets ever so slightly, Kirk managed to reveal the twin flared ridges and then the thick shaft, which disappeared into the shadows beneath the bunched-up material. Jim. The deep baritone, gravelly with sleep, issued from the opposite side of the bed. If your intention is to awaken me, I am already awake. If, however, you are merely attempting to gain a better view, I would be happy to oblige. With that, Spock rolled onto his back and threw the sheets aside, stretching to his full height, and regarded Kirk with a look that could generously be described as smug. Kirk swallowed several times before he could answer. Well, up early, aren't we? He tried, glancing down at his own rapidly growing excitement. I don't know how you do it, Spock. That Vulcan stamina of yours, I'm impressed. 
Gazing again at the green monster rising up before him, he remembered how good it had been to run his tongue over the satiny tip, around and around those delicate double ridges, and finally to take as much of the throbbing cock into his mouth as he could. No square centimeter of that majestic member had gone unexplored. And that was when he discovered that Vulcan semen tasted faintly of cinnamon. <laughs> The sun began to slant in through the open balcony doors, turning the room rosy. Now that you've seen it in daylight, you know your tongue wasn't lying, Kirk told himself. Better ask him now before I bring up the hair. But first, a little charm to smooth the way. Dragging his eyes away from the object of his ruminations, Kirk looked deeply into Spark's do Spock's dark eyes and turned on his most winning smile. Spock, do you know you are the most beautiful creature in the galaxy? I could look at you all day. "'If that is what you desire,' Spock replied dryly. "'For myself, I would prefer to attempt several interesting variations of last night's activities. "'We have experienced together only eight different sexually stimulating acts, "'and there are many left to try,' he concluded, "'reaching out to caress the golden skin of Kirk's shoulder. "'Here goes. "'Wait, Spock, there's something I've been meaning to ask you.' "'Kirk let his smile fade. "'Indeed?' Well, it's a very intimate question. I don't want to offend you. Jim, I have been intimate with you in a way I have never been with anyone. I will answer any question as long as it is only one question. We are wasting valuable time. By now, Spock was massaging Kirk's chest, pausing frequently to tweak the hard, ruddy nipples lightly between his powerful fingers. Spock, you're, well, you don't have a foreskin. You're circumcised. You're circumcised. As are you, Jim. I know why I'm cut. Jewish people on Terra still observe religious rites. And it's not like I mind. Those ridges are something to look at. But I didn't think there were any Jews on Vulcan, he laughed. Spock raised an eyebrow. That assumption would be an error. I don't understand, Kirk frowned. When the twelve tribes of Israel were colonizing the galaxy, Terra was not the only planet they visited. Spock delivered this startling information in a matter-of-fact tone, as if he were recording a dull planetary survey. There were Jews on Vulcan long before they arrived on Earth. Surak welcomed them. But how did they... where did they... he broke off in confusion. Information on their origins is not recorded. The Jewish colony that landed on Vulcan did not try to convert the native population. But Vulcans are a naturally curious race, and the colonists were happy to start teaching them about being Jewish. Soon they were keeping kosher, having their brisses when their sons were born, observing the high holy days, and refraining from work on the Shabbos. It is much easier to keep kosher when you are vegetarian, Spock added. And now, Vulcan religious beliefs aren't in any official record. It is not something we willingly share with outsiders. Belief is a highly personal matter. Spock appeared more interested in tracing the curve of Kirk's chin with one delicate fingertip than he was in the conversation. What about those priestesses in the temples? Don't tell me they're rabbis in drag. Spock just looked at him. But surely Vulcans have some way of recognizing other Jews. Spock sighed impatiently. You yourself have discovered one way, Jim. The glistening tip of his pulsing shaft nudged Kirk's hand, seeking attention. You were born Jewish, yet you do recognize the most basic symbol of the faith? He raised his left hand in the traditional Vulcan salute. Kirk gazed at the space between Spock's split fingers. I was born Jewish, but I wasn't raised Jewish. I've only been to synagogue a few times, and that was when my grandmother took me. Remember, Spock, that even though most of the Northern Hemisphere was involved in the great Jewish conversion of 2010, a lot of people weren't so diligent about keeping up the faith. Humans aren't as... He decided not to say anal retentive. 
<laughs> Tenacious as Vulcan's. He continued to stare at Spock's hand, feeling that he had seen that gesture before, but where and when? Suddenly it came to him, a blessing, a vague, hazy memory of the rabbi holding up both hands over the congregation, his fingers split between the second and third fingers. His grandmother had warned him that he wasn't supposed to look, but being Jimmy Kirk, he had to look. I understand, at least I think I do. Spock, this is all so unbelievable. What you've just told me changes everything I thought I knew. Jim, it changes nothing. We are here. All that matters is that we now share something deeper than physical desire and romantic love. We share our spirituality. We are members of the same tribe. Does that not please you? He asked gently, eyes full of concern. Of course it does. It pleases me no end. Spock's grip on his softening penis brought his attention back to the situation at hand. Uh, you're right, he said, a little breathlessly. Damn, my cock feels like it's in the heating pad. We can uh, talk about this later. Just then, he felt the adhesive give way, and his hair began to slide. <laughs> One false move, and it was all over. One down, two to go, James T. Spock, Spock, he gasped. I have to tell you, that is, I want you to know now about your hair. I know. A hot, tuck went, a hot tongue was circling his navel. You do? Kirk pulled away in surprise, knocking the Fantasta hair piece completely off his head. <laughs> Everyone knows. No one cares, the Vulcan replied, his, moist, mu his voice muffled in Kirk's armpit. No one cares. Hell's bells, if they didn't care about the hair, maybe he could throw away that jar of foundation, too. And yet... Spock, one more question. Kirk tried not to let the feel of Spock's hot lips urgently nuzzling his throat distract him. Yes, Jim, what is it? I do not wish to spend this morning discussing religion and hair. How do you keep your eye makeup so perfect? He blurted out, <laughs> determined to solve at least one mystery today. That is a matter of which no Vulcan may speak. <laughs> it is a highly personal thing, not to be shared with outworlders, Spock drawled lazily, working his fingers into the cleft in Kirk's ass. Spock, I... Abruptly, he realized he'd fallen for it. Spock was joking with him. I do believe you're teasing me, mister. He grinned at the Vulcan and was rewarded with the tiniest movement at the corner of his mouth. Kirk knew he was happier than he'd ever been in his life, even without the hair. Spock, today I am a man. <laughs> Tila. Bobola. <laughs> the end. Bravo! Oh, thank you. Oh, I love that story. I'm so glad. It was so much fun to write. It really was. <laughs> There, there's, you know, I, I, for you, it's so funny. For people who are, are not familiar with fandom, there, there are so many jokes in here that were just of the time. Yes. You know, I was, I was poking very gentle fun at some people's writing tics, the way they describe Kirk and Spock and the descriptions yes. of their body parts. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty easy to just pull all that stuff together. Well, it's, it's a wonderfully creative spackle. <laughs> Which is one of my favorite things in I, I just love the idea of Jews colonizing Vulcan. That's <laughs> I do, too. Long before they came to Earth. Earth. You know, <laughs> they were just out there spreading their views, their, their wisdom throughout the galaxy. And they, of course they stopped on Vulcan. Well, I have to tell you something that happened while you were reading the story. <laughs> and talking about the Vulcan salute. I'm sitting here listening to the story and I, you know, just tried to do it with my hands. And for a minute... I could do it with my left hand. Ooh. Yeah. Spooky. Maybe I'm part Jewish. Maybe. Maybe. Or part Vulcan. That could be, or too. Some, well, same thing, right? <laughs> oh, my.
my goodness, it's so funny. And of course, for people who don't know, that's where the Vulcan salute came from. Yes. Uh, you know, that that was a piece of real life that I, I uh, sort of put in the spackle box and put over mm-hmm. here. Yep. Yep. Well, that was enjoyable. I hope everybody enjoyed that. Um, it's yes. on my website if you ever want to read it, and in, in it's entirely with all the TMs next to the silly product <laughs> names that I threw in there. Fantastic. Because yeah. <laughs> that's the brand he would buy. <laughs> well, of course. It'd be the best. Oh, goodness. Now, um, I asked you if you wouldn't mind reading a little bit, and the thing that I picked is long, and you said you might do some excerpts from it, which is totally cool. Okay. Um, This is a story called Dear Miss Lovelorn, and I I cannot remember where the inspiration for this came from. But what I tried to do, I didn't do all the episodes, but from many episodes and the movies, I picked one character who either had a problem or I thought might have a problem <laughs> and had them write to Miss Lovelorn to, uh, to express this. Mm-hmm. So here we go. Dear Miss Lovelorn, I can't believe I'm writing to you. I'm a professional woman with a degree in psychology, but my current situation has me bewildered. There's a man here who struts around like he's God's gift and makes improper remarks to every woman he meets. I'm ashamed to admit this, but I find myself strangely attracted to this sexist pig, even though he called me a walking freezer unit. I'm a little on the reserve side. I don't know why he feels this attraction. He's a little creepy. Sometimes he gets this strange look in his eye, and I get the feeling he knows what I'm thinking. I've been handling my sexual urges with a discreetly hidden vibrator, but now I'm thinking about a flesh and blood alternative. When it comes to men, I have always demanded respect. But with this guy, I'd settle for a roll in the hay and breakfast breakfast the next morning. Does this sound strange to you? Signed, wanting to give up the batteries and rev up the real thing. A roll in the hay and breakfast is all you would get. (laughs) <laughs> and maybe not breakfast. Maybe not breakfast. He, you'd probably have to pay. <laughs> okay. Dear Miss Lovelorn, hi. I'm having a problem with this guy at work. Actually, he's a teenager who's been more or less dumped on us. Anyway, he keeps mooning after me and practically stalking me. He's kind of weird and spooky, and I'm getting very creeped out. I really like this job, and I have kind of a crush on my boss. <laughs> I'm afraid he'll get in big trouble if I file harassment charges and they find out he didn't do anything about it. Any advice on how I can get this kid to quit bothering me? Too blonde for my own good. (laughs) Dear Miss Lovelorn, I'm really puzzled over something I hope you can explain. A friend of mine died when he freaked out and stabbed himself with a butter knife. He was a young, healthy guy, and I don't know, the part about the butter knife just bothers me. Could you ask your medical experts about this? The doctor here has his hands full most of the time, and I think he must have missed something. Starting to freak out, too. Let's see. Dear Miss Lovelorn, I have been estranged from my father for many years, but I recently saw a man who looks exactly like him under most unusual circumstances. My mother is emotionally high-strung and sensitive, so I hesitate to ask her about it. But I think I would have a right to know if my father has gone over to the Romulans. In researching advisors such as yourself, I have found your logic to be impeccable, so I will bow to your superior wisdom in this matter. Your information distribution device would be incapable of displaying my full name, so I will merely sign this with my approximate IQ. (laughs) 
337.502-830-29567. Dear Miss Lovelorn, I wrote to you earlier about this guy at work who was bothering me. Like you advised, I contacted his family and they took him home. So thanks, you're the best. Now I'm having a different problem. To put it in a nutshell, my boss was having some personal problems and assaulted me. It was all a mix-up, and I've forgiven him, but I'm still bothered by the way his friends assumed he was innocent and I was just some flaky girl. One of them made a very offensive remark to me, something about my attacker being interesting. I'm thinking of filing charges because this guy really needs sensitivity training. But his father is a very big deal, and he's close friends with the boss and the other guy involved in the investigation. They hushed the whole thing up, by the way, but I don't mind that so much because it turned out that my attacker was someone else who looked exactly like my boss. I guess this is more complicated than I thought. Anyway, what do you think? Too blonde for my own good. You know, that is like kind of the perfect alternate universe summing up of that episode. (laughs) You know, the Enterprise is involved in a sexual harassment um, (laughs) incident. incident, and then the whole thing is hushed up. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. You know? But that's what happened. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Oh, this is one of my favorites. Oh, no, it's not. Uh, well, whatever. <laughs> There's other ones that are like this. Dear Miss Lovelorn, I was recently involved in a transporter malfunction in which my personality was split between my body and a duplicate. Fortunately, I was reunited in one body, the one I'm currently occupying, at least this week, thanks to some ingenuity on the part of my chief engineer. Now, by strange coincidence, my three nephews were also in a tragic transporter accident. However, in their case, two of their bodies were destroyed, and all three personalities now reside in the body of the youngest, Peter. My brother, the boy's father, has asked me for advice, but I don't have a clue what to tell him. Even my miracle worker of a chief engineer can't manufacture bodies, or at least he says he can't. I'm also getting tired of the strange looks I get when I explain to people why I had three nephews a week ago and now I have only one. Any suggestions? All together now. Oh, man. That's great. Let's see. So funny. I'm, I'm scrolling because I think there were a couple in here that were just the best things ever. Oh, yeah. If you want to pick ones out. Yes. Okay. Um, dear Miss Lovelorn, my fiancé disappeared several years ago. But we recently ran into each other again. It looked like we were going to pick up where we left off, despite a few disturbing friends who had latched onto him. But then I discovered he downloaded himself into an android that these friends had built for him. Well, to make a long story short, I dumped him, and he died shortly afterwards. Actually, he was killed in a murder-suicide that I witnessed. Well, here's the thing. I keep thinking of all the wonderful things they do with computers nowadays, and I'm starting to believe I acted in haste. I know there's no way of bringing him back or recapturing our special magic, but my friends say some new clothes and a good vibrator will perk me right up. They know me pretty well, and I'm usually very happy to follow their advice, but I've always been a nice girl, and I keep worrying about what people would think if they knew they had a vibrator. There was a lady doctor here who died recently, and you wouldn't believe the scandal when they cleaned out her bedside stand. Frigid and forlorn. Oh, that's great. Can you can you read um, um, the one that starts, I'm 12 years old? Yeah, and then the I'm one under that it, one. because those okay. two are, I love those two. Oh, wait, I have to, I have to read one in between. Okay. It. Dear Miss Lovelorn. Hi, it's me again, too blonde, because <laughs> she's my favorite. Thanks 
for your help. But the whole assault thing blew over, and things are looking up for me. Remember my boss that I told you I have a crush on? Yesterday, we were in a life-or-death situation, and I came up with a really clever way of making coffee for him. He was very impressed. I'm really proud of myself because in my last performance evaluation, he said I had to show more initiative. I think our romance may be off the ground at last. I guess I don't have a problem for you to solve right now, but I thought you'd like to know. Okay. Dear Miss Lovelorn, I'm 12 years old, and my father has been killed by a good friend of his. In fact, I'm named after this friend. The man keeps saying he's innocent, but there's no question he's guilty as heck, and I want to make sure he's convicted. The prosecutor says the best way I can do that is to be in court every day looking sad and alone. She also bought me a sailor suit with silver trim that she says I should wear. She says it will make me look younger and more innocent and make him look worse. I don't see how it will make him look worse when I'll be the one wearing the horrible baby's dress, and he's probably going to wear his dress uniform with all his medals. I hate this stupid dress. It makes me look fat. I'd like to trust this lawyer because everyone says she's very smart, but she used to be his girlfriend, and I think she might be trying to throw the case. I'm right, aren't I? Sad and alone, but not stupid. P.S. I think I should change my name, too. The lawyer suggests Fanny. I think Fanny Finney sounds awful. <laughs> oh, that's great. I'm so glad you did that about the dress. That is the best thing. <laughs> beep, beep, beep. Captain Christopher Pike, auto signature. Oh, man. Dear Miss Lovelon. Here, it's me. Hi, it's me. Too blonde again. I <laughs> can't believe how bad my luck is. My boss, the one I have a crush on, seemed to be showing an interest in me, but then we went on this trip with some other people. We all got sick, and he was very nice to me, which I thought might be a step towards us finally getting serious about each other. But now I'm afraid he is turned off by the ugly sores I got when I was sick. I'm thinking I should quit this job and start fresh somewhere else. What do you think? <laughs> And signed, too blonde for my own good. Um, there is one more I have to read because it is one of my favorites. Oh, please, please. I got to find it. Um, oh, well, I'm going to read this one because it relates to two blondes. See, I've forgotten these. Dear Miss Lovelorn, I've seen you give some bad advice, but telling too blonde to find a new job because she'll never get her boss into bed was about the stupidest thing I've ever heard. I've never failed to get what I want from a man. They're so easy to lead. Their heads are completely empty anyway, so all you have to do is fill it with thoughts of you. I like to keep a man off balance. Sometimes I act cool and professional. Other times, coy and reluctant, especially during that all-important first kiss. And sometimes I'm the biggest cock tease you ever saw. I sometimes let months pass between our first embrace and the moment when I finally have him on his knees crying for it. To give you an example, at a Christmas party four months ago, I danced with a very attractive man, and the spark between us was immediate and incendiary. But I've deliberately avoided him since then. I want to be completely in control of our next meeting so I can tease him with the memory of how badly he wanted me. Nothing turns a man on like seeing a beautiful woman smirking at him because he knows he's not going to get any until she's good and ready. I'm a psychologist, and I know these things. And it's signed, Helen Bed. P.S. 
Two Blonde, if you're reading this, there's one never-fail way to land a guy you want. Take him to visit a penal colony. Seeing other men go berserk over you because they haven't had any in ages and aren't about to get any is the best way to make him aware of what he's passing up. Oh, my God. i got to read this next one, too. Me, Gorn. Gorn big. Gorn strong. Gorn eye shiny. Gorn want lovelorn woman of gong. Oh, so good. I can't believe you wrote so many of these. I forgot I how long and involved this was. It's so good. Oh, oh okay. Okay. <laughs> there are certain threads that run through this that I really like, so I'm going to read some of those. Dear Miss Lovelorn, I've got a serious problem, much worse than most teenagers. A few months ago, my two younger brothers and I were merged <laughs> in a transporter accident. Now we're all in one body. Our parents, both scientists, were trying to find a solution when they were killed by the aliens who invaded Deneva. Now we're living with our grandmother in Iowa. She can't cope at all, so I always have to take care of the other two. I'm really sick of, hey, I hit me. I'm making faces at me. I'm smarter than I am. I know Peter and Bobby are just kids, but they're making this whole thing worse. I talked to a doctor, and he said he might be able to do something if we had two bodies for Bobby and me to be transferred to. Right now, we're all in Peter's. They have to be live bodies, bodies but with no minds or souls. <laughs> Please print this letter so your readers can help me find two human male bodies, ages 10 and 14. Please, please help. I've met this really nice girl, but every time I get near her, I start yelling, Ooh, a girl! I've got a crush! I've got a crush! And it's signed, Greg. Oh, oh that's great. Okay, that's one, so funny. One more on the theme of those poor boys. Where does it go? Let's see. Um, oh, here it is. Okay, here it is. Good. Dear Miss Lovelorn, you had a letter recently from my grandson, Greg. To refresh your memory, he and his brothers, Peter and Bobby, were in a tragic transporter accident and were merged into one body, Peter's. Yesterday, I got a letter from a stranger who signed himself H.M. He enclosed a picture of my son, the boy's uncle, surrounded by 20 women, all of whom looked exactly alike. H.M. said he has the ability to create as many android bodies as he wants, built to any specification. He offered to help my grandsons, but only if my son would give him a lift home. I asked my son to do this, and he flat out refused. He says H.M. is a dangerous criminal, and he can't let him loose. I don't care if he's Colonel Green. We need his help. Please print this letter. Maybe if my son sees this, he'll realize how heartless he's being. And maybe he'll stop running around with so many women, too. I'm not a prude, but 20 is at least, 20 at once is at least 17 too many. I have to go now. I think my grandson just pushed himself down the stairs. Heartbroken grandma. <laughs> I can't help it. That does make oh, me laugh. That is so funny. So, 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 so. And funny. I have to give full credit here. The whole idea of why did Kirk have three nephews and then one, and it being a tragic transporter accident, mm -hmm. was suggested by Wildcat. Mm -hmm. And I just thought it was one of the most ingenious things ever. Mm -hmm. I totally agree. It's, it's the best. It's so funny. Um, and I would like to, if I may, to take this opportunity 
to say that um, I wrote something which is going to appear in a book pretty soon. I know. I'm so it's, The book's not out yet, um, but it's uh, a collection of essays about Star Trek episodes. So every Star Trek episode is being written about by a different writer. And um, the editor asked me if I had a favorite episode and of course I said the mirror mirror episode and I wrote it as if it was a letter to evil Miss Lovelorn it starts off dear evil Miss Lovelorn and um, it's from so we know yeah because just you know let's just get it out there and uh, it's it's from Sulu and I thought it turned out pretty good so when the book's actually out I will let everybody know and where you can pick it up uh, the, I know some of the other authors and they're all really good people and it should be pretty good it's not the kind of like here's what I think about the episode um, it's everybody had to, to pick a different way of looking at it so mine is a letter from a character who's in that episode other mm-hmm. people wrote um, poetry some people wrote it like a newspaper article it's just all these different approaches so it's very creative mm-hmm. and while we're on the subject i would also like yes. to mention that um i wrote something else that's just been published uh there is a book out now called chicks dig gaming a celebration of all things gaming by the women who love it the title is not my favorite thing but um <laughs> i don't the chicks thing um anyway it doesn't matter but it's it's a really cool book and it's all about gaming and i wrote a chapter about um let's plays video gaming which i was quite happy with the way it came out and the book is just now available you can get it for 10 bucks over at amazon so if you like gaming and you'd like to read a whole bunch of essays by really talented writers about that by women uh go and pick up a copy yes Yes, Support. I, I and I loved your dear evil Miss Lovelorn <laughs> story. I haven't read the gaming one, but uh, well, it's a, it's another creative thing. It's not just here's what I think about it. It's from the point of view of a very specific character. So yes. there you go. Yes. So yes, yeah, support your local author. Support independent press. Support all of those things. And I would just like the readers to know that good old Two Blonde, for her own good, did make one more appearance. And I would like to read her final story. Please, please. Dear Miss Lovelorn, you probably don't remember me, too blonde, but I used to write to you a lot and you always helped me out. I thought I had really pulled myself together and was actually moving up the food chain career-wise. Do you remember my boss that I had the crush on? Well, I'm working for him again, and my first day on the job, the equipment I was in charge of went on the fritz and turned his ex-wife and another guy into silly putty. I'm usually not a quitter, but I guess there's no hope for him and me now, is there? (laughs) Too blonde for my own good. Oh, I can imagine her sending that letter easily. Yes. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It was funny because, um, oh, I've forgotten that there's the Vulcan chain letter, too. (laughs) The names. The names were the best part of that. But, you know, some people, I guess some of it was a little too subtle going, I didn't get this one. And the one most people didn't get was the one from Gracie the Whale. Oh, that was good. (laughs) But anyway, it's a very, very long story, but I thought you would... uh you would enjoy it. Oh, yes. You know. I think that everybody should go and read it. I mean, as long as they're at your website, they should read all the other stuff you've written. Cause there is a ton of stuff, and I haven't updated that website probably in 10 years. So, But I haven't written anything in probably 10 years. So, <laughs> How wonderful. Well, that was a ton of fun. It was, and I think this has been a great show. I think 
we have um, come to show 200 just as we began at show number one, just by being really goofy and talking about Star Trek. And talking about stuff we want to talk about. Yeah, William Shatner yep. and his butt. You know, I had totally forgotten that our very first episode was a review of the Enterprise finale. I know. I, I barely remember the Enterprise finale. Like I know. Listen, I was going, what are we yeah. talking about? What happened? I'm listening to us talk about it. I'm like, yeah, I kind of remember that, but it was so bad that I, I think I blocked it out of my memory. Yeah. Well. So i just like to say that um, we're going to do this show as long as we feel like doing it. <laughs> and, when yep. and when we're not, we'll do something else. That's right. That's right. Maybe we'll we'll do um, Shatnerian home remodels. Maybe, or maybe. But I think yes. we're good for another two hundred shows at least. I think so. Everybody, thank you so much for listening, for sending us comments and pictures, and doing roving reports for us. Yes. And just spreading the word about the wonderfulness of Bill and his butt and and Kirk. And um, you should all be watching. The Shatner Project, mm-hmm. because it, it is so delightful. It is really and you really do, you know, see Bill at home and see his home. Oh, and that's one thing I wanted to, to mention to you. You know, I have a lot of dreams about Bill. Mm-hmm. And they are so frequent that the new theme that has been going on for the past year or more is that we're buddies now. <laughs> and when he sees me at a con, he's like, hi, how are you? You know, he remembers me. And we hang out at his house. Oh. And in when we're hanging out at his house, we're always in the kitchen sitting at the table. Mm-hmm. But now that I've seen his actual kitchen, I'm wondering, the next time I have one of these dreams, will we be in that kitchen or my imagined dream kitchen? I hope it's in the new kitchen and not his old kitchen because that was, that was crappy. Well, yeah, but I'm wondering if it will be in the kitchen I dreamed of, mm-hmm. which has nothing to do with his kitchen old or new. Mm-hmm. So well, well, I'll I'll be waiting to hear the report because I want to. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. I just have to. We forgot to say this when we were talking about the um, destruction of the kitchen. That the very yes. first thing Bill does as he goes into the kitchen <laughs> is he takes his sledgehammer and he whacks at a cupboard, and Liz screams from behind him, "Not that cabinet!" <laughs> That's right. Uh, it was great. And he looks surprised. What? What? <laughs> oh, boy. They they are just the sweetest couple. They are. Guys. See what you're missing, you guys? you got to watch it. you got to watch yes, it. Yes. They're so, they're so good together, and they seem so happy. They so. do. They do. We are very happy for them. We are. We, we love Bill. Yes. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this extra, extra special edition of Look at His Butt, show number 200. Um, We will be back with show 201, where we'll be basically doing what we've been doing for 200 shows, just talking about it. So send us email, send us comments, send us everything. Send us um, audio comments or stories if you have them. And send us dreams because I, man, I love hearing about those dreams. Those are awesome. (laughs) Those are awesome. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's our very long 200th show. Yes. And we are having special closing music. We are. So please enjoy this closing music from your friend and mine, William Shatner, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. To infinity and beyond, we're blasting through the dawn. To another galaxy, won't you come along with me to infinity 
and beyond, to infinity and beyond. Turn those thrusters on. Faster than the speed of light, we will carry the fight to infinity and beyond. Good guys, we can fly far across the starry sky, past the moon and past the sun, with no good deed left undone. There is a place, is a place in, outer space, in outer space where you can join in the fun. To infinity and beyond, we will sing this song. So say goodbye. Now it's time to fly to infinity and beyond. With no good deed left undone. There is a place in outer space where you can join in the fun. In the fun to infinity and beyond. We will sing this song. So say goodbye. Now it's time to fly to infinity and beyond. So say goodbye. Now it's time to fly to infinity and beyond.